Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, episode 50. Join your hosts, your two hosts this episode, Kyle Mersch and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk about Cyclone football, the NFL, the MLE postseason, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, featuring Kyle Mersch, and Write That Down Predictions. Dude, it's episode 50. It is episode 50. Made it through 50 of these things. We're halfway to 100. And, of course, Mike missed this episode, so it's just you and me. It's going to be a good time. He decided he decided to attend some sporting event tonight instead ah. of doing his obligations to this podcast. Who cares about sports, anyway? Nobody. What is Mike guy doing? Uh, but since either. Mike's not here, we're going to push back talking about the NCAA uh, pay-for-play thing. I don't really know what to call it besides a thing. The pay-for-play um, bill. The bill, the, the the entire rationale behind it, both the NCAA side and everybody else. So we will talk about that next week on episode 51. I know we said we talk about it this week, last episode, but since Mike's not here, he had to bail on us. We'll, we'll wait for him because I definitely want to hear his input on this. So yeah, it'll be fun. We like we'll, to hear him get heated. We do. It's very entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, though. I was going to say, speaking of heated. Oh. The Cyclones are hot, but also entertaining. You rolled with it. I mean, the the game against TCU is very, very entertaining. Um, It seemed like the Cyclones got a lot of stuff figured out this week. It was a great bounce-back game uh, after a uh, frustrating loss, I would say, to a Baylor team in Waco. Uh, weather was once again a issue with this game. The start of the game was pushed back two hours. Uh, I could get into how I'm very upset at ESPN for airing the second half of the game on ESPN News, but that's a story for another time. ESPN is becoming a monopoly, so it is what it is. But just a great bounce back win. Brock Purdy played amazing uh, in this game. Um, what were his... Uh, I should have pulled up all of his stats for the game. Hold on. I have Preparedness it right is not our strong suite, but what you're basically going to say is that Brock Purdy absolutely crushed and is doing yes. absolutely amazing. I mean, he's very, been doing pretty good all, all season, but this game he really shined. He shined very, like the star he's going to be. And he, he ran the ball super efficiently. First drive of the game. Uh, had a great, great zone read, ran the ball all the way down inside the five-yard line, um, led the team in rushing yards uh, in this game as well. He was our leading rusher with over 100 yards of rushing. Um, just a great game, great decisions made by him. And one thing that we had been absolutely harping on that the Cyclones needed to do was to win the turnover margin. They were plus two in turnovers in this game. One of them turned into their second defensive score on the season, a strip sack fumble of TCU's quarterback, and uh, a boom, a, a boom is whatever his last name is, one of our defensive linemen, number five, ran it into the end zone uh, for a touchdown for the scoop and score. The scoop and score, on like the two-yard line. Yeah. That was amazing. Nobody could believe what happened. Uh, right after that, we lined up for the point-after attempt, and... I don't know if I don't know what happened, but the referee kind of stopped. They they blew the play dead real quick, so he went on the mic and said, 
the touchdown counts. They are now doing the point after attempt. It's like, well, thanks. We realized that. I don't know if TCU's bench was confused or what was going on, but that was amazing. I don't know. But the one thing that played into it was a great special teams punt uh, by Joe Rivera that set up that inside the five for a Cyclones house blitz uh, on that play. Um, John Haycock brought the pressure, and strip sack fumble was a great turning point in this game. Uh, The Cyclones offense, however, in the second half did go a little quiet uh, with a few drives that stalled. TCU was able to get back into this game, uh, but the defense buckled down when it needed to uh, and held on, and the Cyclones ended up winning this game. Uh, One thing that came out of this game that I'm still a little frustrated on is it still feels like we need to establish the running game. Right now, the running game is Brock Purdy. He is our leading rusher on the season by by a fair margin over Johnny Lang. Uh, I guess it's only 19 yards, but a quarterback being the leading rusher on a team isn't really a recipe for success uh, unless you're Georgia Tech and you're running the triple option all the time. But that's also hasn't been a recipe for success recently ever either. So we need to de- determine who is going to be the lead back. Right now, it's still a committee. Last week, we had talked about the Cyclones potentially redshirting Jareel Brock and Brees Hall. Well, that's not going to happen now. They've they've all appeared in four games. So as of right now, if they play in another game, they will lose their medical redshirt or their redshirt eligibility for the season. Um so I'm not really sure who's going to take over in the backfield. It seems like Kane Nwangu is starting to lose more reps, but Johnny Lang, Sheldon Crony, Brees Hall, and Jareel Brock have all been getting substantial playing time. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I mean, you're totally right, but that that position, David Montgomery left some huge shoes to fill, but mm-hmm. those shoes need to be filled. I mean, we got to find somebody back there that can be running. We're, that's two guys that we're, we're using – I mean, as as our mains, I don't know what what to do or who's going to fill those shoes. Johnny Lang looks really promising to me. Nwangu, like you said, is isn't looking quite as hot, but I I still we need somebody there. And we I gotta mean, have somebody there. I mean, both Jarrell Brock and Brees Hall came in as four star recruits. They've got great pedigree coming in, but they're both freshmen. I don't understand why we don't stop using them and go ahead and redshirt them so that we have them for the future. Make one of the other three backs a prominent running back right now and just roll with them. I feel like since they don't get as much time on the field, they don't get into a rhythm of the game. And I feel like our running backs are losing the rhythm, losing the feel. And so when they get touches, they're not able to make the most of the opportunity. Because for most of the game, they're standing on the sideline. I just think... Because we, we have the offensive line to do it. I I just think, I, I don't know. I feel like this is something that needs to be figured out before we play the likes of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas, all in a three-game stretch. You're totally needs, right. needs to be done. Yep. But before we get to them, we have to travel to uh, Morgantown, West Virginia to take on the Mountaineers, who gave Texas a run for their money for the first half, but weren't able to keep up uh, in the second half of that game. Um, This should be a very winnable game for the Cyclones. 
uh, going in, although we said that against Baylor, so anything is possible. This team still very much so confuses me. Uh, I think the key to the game still here is to win the turnover margin. Uh, and if Brock Purdy can keep the offense set steady and solid throughout the game, I think the defense is going to do its job. I think that's a good recipe for success for the Cyclones traveling all the way over to West Virginia. That's going to be an awesome win, especially seeing West Virginia. They're probably full potential during that first half of the, the game versus Texas. It'll be fun to see if they can actually bring that back out and play like a good team for the entire game. We'll see what hopefully, happens. Hopefully uh, Country Roads will bring us back home with a W to Ames, I, Iowa. I hope so, too. Did you happen to see that High V commercial with Patrick Mahomes in it? Yes. Unfortunately, it sounds like Patrick Mahomes did not make it up to that guy that he burnt the stakes on. There, there was a High V commercial where Patrick Mahomes was throwing footballs in a residential area. Mm-hmm. And one of the footballs absolutely destroyed this grill with a bunch of meat on it. So Mahomes uses Hy-Vee's new online shopping tool or whatever to buy the groceries back. He brings the groceries to the guy's house and goes to walk away. The guy was like, hey, Patrick. He's like, what? You can make it up to me on Sunday. He's like, all right. But yeah. unfortunately, this Sunday, the Chiefs did not make it up to the guy with the steaks. And on Sunday night football. Ugh. It was such a disappointment, but... What I'm seeing right now is that teams are starting to figure out the Chiefs. Um, Jacoby Brissett, apparently on the sideline, told his head coach, we need to run the ball down their effing throats. And guess what worked? Running the ball down our effing throats. Jacoby Brissett couldn't get anything going in the passing game, uh, except for when he threw it number 21, Rashad Breland, because every time he threw it him, he was either holding the receiver or uh, committing a pass interference penalty for 75 yards on a play. Literally the entire length of the freaking football field. It was awful. But one thing that really helped helped uh, the already imp- very, very impressive uh, Colts offensive line, props to them. Their, two, uh, uh, their left guard and left tackle played phenomenally. They were running behind them the entire time. But right now, Chris Jones is out with a with a groin strain. Our best interior defensive lineman, Alex Okafor, a defensive end, is out. Xavier Williams, our starting defensive interior lineman, is also out. Anthony Hitchens, our run-stopping linebacker, went out in this game as well, as well as Frank Clark missed an entire quarter. Our defensive line is down to third-string players that couldn't match up at all against the Colts' offensive line. And when we needed a stop, we weren't able to get it. And, of course, now with the new onside kick rules, onside kicks are virtually impossible. There have been zero onside kick uh, completions, I guess, this season so far. It's zero out of 13 on the year. Uh, they had a 17% or a 7% success rate last year, and then two years ago they had a 21% success rate. Uh, and that's due to players not being able to overside one, one part of the line as well as not being able to get a running start. So with the defense not being able to stop the run and just them running out the entire clock, they they had the time of possession by nearly 20 minutes in this game. If you keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, he can't be in a rhythm. I've talked about rhythm a lot tonight already. He can't be in a rhythm, and the offense, when it stays off the field, uh, 
StatCast just increases the odds of the other team winning. The Chiefs' defense has more holes than Swiss cheese, more holes than the Packers did last year on defense. It's The defense was supposed to improve this year, but it's not. So it is what it is. I don't. The Chiefs are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. The offense can put up as many points as it wants, but into the postseason, teams are just going to run the ball down our throats. Teams like the Colts, if we were to play them in the in the uh, in the postseason again, as well as New England with good offensive linemen and a and a smart smart coach, it's not going to work. It just isn't. I mean, it could be worse. Your your team could be as dysfunctional as the Vikings. However, they uh, skirted away with a win against the Giants this week, I believe. Yes, they did. No thanks to Kirk Cousins. Although he, <laughs> finally, he finally figured out how to throw the ball to Adam Thielen. Um, so that was good for fantasy owners. He got two touchdowns this week. Adam Thielen did. Uh, but Kirk Cousins still looks abysmal back there behind that Vikings <laughs> offensive line. The Vikings offensive line can only do one thing, run block. And Kirk Cousins can only do one thing, hold the football for four and a half seconds every time he touches it. It's horrible. They, it, it, Kirk Cousins is not their quarterback, and they're not making it anywhere with him as their quarterback. They're only going to go as far as Dalvin Cook's legs can carry them this season. And Sad since he's been hurt for the first two years he's been in the league, my, the bet is he probably won't be able to carry them very far. <laughs> like I said, dysfunctional team. Yeah. But another team, well, so one of these teams <laughs> is looking much more dysfunctional right now. But the Packers are still looking pretty good. Um, Aaron Jones especially ran for four touchdowns for the Packers this weekend. But the Cowboys, we them boys... Not anymore. Started out the year playing three horrible, horrible teams in uh, in the Miami Dolphins, the Washington Redskins, and uh, somebody else who's really bad right now. I'm blanking on it. But since then, they've played two good teams and lost both games pretty handily. So, Dak Prescott, if you're looking for a contract extension, you're not really helping yourself right now. But... Wyatt, you said you were watching this game, or at least you saw <laughs> part of this game. It I did watch egregious. part of this game. It was so bad. NFL refs are the – this is probably one of the worst years of NFL officiating I've seen, and that's coming off of last Wait, year's – what? That's coming off last year? Yeah, coming off last year. I think they're going to be – they're poised to be much worse this year. So th- this call absolutely befuddled me. I, I don't know how to explain it without blowing my own mind. So it was against the Packers. One of their uh, linemen came up, and coincidentally, number 52, Clay Matthews, his old number. Uh, this kid's uh, first year, what, I think he was a fourth-round draft pick, maybe. Rashawn Gary. He was... I don't know. He, he was When he went to Michigan, he was one of the top recruits in the nation for defensive end. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Doesn't really matter. He smacked Dak, Dak Prescott up the head and got a rough in the passer call. I'm like, okay... I could see that happening after the ball leaves Dak's hand or something, you know. But he Wait. ran the ball. He didn't even throw the ball. Dak Prescott ran the ball for like 18 yards, but still got a roughing the passer call. Did he did he hit him in the head? It was it was a four momentum. He was gonna go reach for the ball to smack the ball. Uh-huh. 
and but he, he smacked did he, his helmet. Did he hit his head at all? His helmet? He smacked his helmet. That's that is that is a roughing the passer call. After they release the ball, he has to release the ball. But I think it's still a thing uh, on the quarterback. So. You can't hit them in the head. A smack upside the head. I've seen that so many times. Well, then NFL refs are missing it entirely, and maybe this officiating crew finally got it right. That very well could be, but then it needs to be. That's egregious. I don't even care. That that's because, an awful rule if that's the case. I don't think that is the even, case. Even even when quarterbacks have had the ball in the pocket and they've been hit in the head with the ball, still there has been a flag for roughing the passer. That, but I if it's on a if it's on a running, you said it was, it was on a, run on a play. running play, right? It was on a run play. If he's already established himself as a running back, that shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It, it really shouldn't matter, even if he's in the pocket. Like if he gets smacked upside There's, the head. Tough. I feel like there's so much gray area with this play, though. Uh, it, but I'm also not coming to their defense because they have been completely garbage this year anyway. Oh, yeah. For not sure. the Cowboys, the refs. Yeah, the, the zebra stripes, sir. Because that, that was a huge penalty, too, because it stopped it stopped the clock. Yeah. And they, they weren't down that, that far at that point, if I recall. I don't know. It was a day or two when I watched it, so whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. Like, I just, it blew my mind. Because he didn't throw the ball. He wasn't a passer. He wasn't passing the ball. So how was he roughed? I don't know. But that that kind of got me. That blew my mind a little bit. I'm not really upset about it. I'm just more amazed in a negative way. Yeah. So I that's, I that's all I got. So we'll just we'll just go back to the AFC West, I guess, because. That's what I put down on the outline uh, <laughs> of other games that I was paying attention to and watching on Sunday. Um, so the one of the biggest surprises of the day, um, in my opinion, a lot of people had the Chargers picked as a potential Super Bowl uh, favorite this year to at least make it to the Super Bowl or win the AFC West over the Chiefs. Well, the Broncos had other plans. So the Broncos started out this started the season 0-4. We're looking very bad. Lost two very close games um, to the Jaguars as well to the... uh, I'm looking horrible by not remembering who else they lost to. Oh, to the Bears as well. Um, Also, another questionable call that happened in week two that we already covered. Uh, But the Broncos actually beat up on a team this week. They really took it to the Chargers. It was Melvin Gordon's return uh, from his holdout. Uh, his second game that he was eligible, but the first time that he actually started, he handled a moderate workload. Austin Eckler was mainly the featured back still, but Melvin Gordon really wasn't able to do anything. He only had uh, 31 rushing yards on the game. Uh, the Broncos defense was able to hold him in check for most of the game, as well as Phillip Rivers, uh, who only threw for 200 yards and two interceptions in the game. Uh, their leading receiver on the day was Austin Eckler, a running back. Uh, out of the backfield, he had a ton of receptions, um, not very many receiving yards per reception. But the Broncos really kind of shook some things up in the uh, AFC West right now because the AFC West breaks down as the Chiefs at four and one and the Raiders at three and two. And that Raiders team went to London and pulled off a victory over the Bears. They made the Bears look silly for the first. Really, 
for the first half of the game, they were winning 17 to nothing. Um, the Bears came, rallied and came back and made the score 21 to 17. Uh, but the Raiders scored a late touchdown in order to uh, take control of this game in general. Shout out to David Montgomery getting his second touchdown uh, of the of the season for the Bears in his first season uh, with the team. But the Raiders are now second in the AFC West with the Chargers coming in at two and three, followed by the Broncos at one and four. Uh, so with the Chiefs looking beatable, they do already have one division win over the uh, Oakland Raiders. But right now, the AFC West could potentially be uh, more of a tighter race than we originally thought if the Raiders continue to be able to pull off some of those games. Uh, they're led by stud running back Josh Jacobs in his first year out of Alabama. Uh, he had a great game against the Bears. And the Bears' defense wasn't able to do much with Derek Carr getting the ball out super quick as well as Josh Jacobs gashing them, which doesn't usually happen for the Bears. So... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to step back real quick back to that roughing the passer thing. So I did look up the rule on the uh-huh. NFL ops website. Yeah. And basically it's rule. I don't think it says the, the rule 12, section two, article nine, subsection. Uh, was it three? Subsection three. There's a whole lot of crap in here. But the thing that we only care about is that the defender may not use their helmet or face mask forcibly in, into the passer. But more importantly here, um. It says, and I quote, in covering the passer position, referees are particularly alert to fouls in which the defenders impermissibly use the helmet and or face mask to hit the passer, so they can't hit it, or use hands, arms, or other body parts, parts of the body, to hit the passer forcibly in the head or neck area. So they can't hit the quarterback forcibly in the head or the neck. But Dak Prescott literally got slapped upside the head. It was not a, a use of force against his head or neck region. Like, if you're going to call a roughing the passer penalty on a forcible head or neck contact that's flagrant and should be like an ejection or something because yeah. you can't get ejected for roughing the passer calls if it's flagrant but if you're getting hit that hard in the head or neck that should be a flagrant call like getting smacked upside the head is not i i, I just blows my mind that makes me more mad now to look at it but that that is the rule and i think the refs got it wrong anyway you can continue going with more football things well that's oh really you already got that for the nfl yeah Fair but enough. Right now, if you want breaking news for our podcast that won't be breaking news once our listeners are actually hearing this, it is a there is a torrential downpour in Washington, D.C. right now as the Nationals are playing the Dodgers in game four uh, with the Dodgers leading the series two to one. Um, and by torrential downpour, you can see all the rain on the screen, which usually doesn't happen. So unless it's raining really hard. Yep. Like a torrential downpour. Huh. Right now, right now the uh, score is tied one all in the bottom of the fourth. So we'll see if the Nationals can even this series up uh, at two games apiece and head back to L.A. for a decisive game five. Another uh, series that is going to a decisive game five is Atlanta versus St. Louis. Uh, Atlanta started the game out. Dallas Keuchel started the game out by giving up uh, – Several home runs to the Cardinals. The Cardinals jumped out to a 3-1 to one lead in this game. Uh, the Braves rallied to make the game 5-4 in late innings uh, from the fifth inning on. Um, but in the, I believe it was the bottom of the ninth, the Cardinals 
managed to tie the game up at five all. Uh, and then in the bottom of the 10th, they ended up winning it. So the Cardinals came from behind in a, uh, in a, in an elimination game against the Braves and they will head back to Atlanta and play game five on Wednesday, Wednesday night or sometime Wednesday during the day. Uh, the Astros today, um, Looked looked very, very dominant in their first two games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, but today they did not. Zach Granke got roughed up a lot. Uh, gave up three home runs to the Tampa Bay Rays. A three-run home run and two solo home runs in this game. Uh, and the Astros ended up falling 10-1 to uh, in this game. So there will the uh, Rays uh, uh, stayed away from elimination. Uh, in game three and will now uh, try to uh, even the series up at two games apiece heading into game four tomorrow night. And as we mentioned earlier, our other host, the host that has all of the stupid comments and all the stupid rules and dumb segments on this podcast, he's not here to defend himself. He is currently at the Twins game where they are not faring well at all against the Yankees so far this seat in this series, they've really gotten beaten up uh, on the diamond. Their pitching has gotten roughed up. Uh, they were able to tie the games at points, but they've just been outpowered by the Yankees so far. Um, two, two slug, two hard hitting uh, teams who have been in a battle for the MLB home runs lead for the year with the twins winning that. But right now the Yankees have the best of them. Uh, that game starts in just a couple minutes as we are airing or as we are recording this podcast for you all as we speak and we will know the outcome of this next week but you'll know the outcome of this when you by the time you listen to this podcast well you're that's right but we'll have mike on and he'll either be super (laughs) sad or he'll be really happy my bets are on super sad unfortunately that's, Not that I'm a Yankees fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I kind of saw this coming. Not at all. And I mean, you're not a Cardinals fan, so you hated to see them win today. I yeah, they're not. Come on, Braves. I'm not not a Braves fan, but I'm I'm a Cardinals NAF, a reverse fan, N A F F A N fan NAF. Yeah. Reverse. Yeah, I'm a reverse fan of the Cardinals. I'm, I'm glad you like had to, I'm glad you explained that to me because I was very lost there for a second. That's what all the cool hip kids are saying. They're oh, naff. Okay. They don't hate things, but they're a naff of them. All right. You don't say I see. hate anymore. It's not cool. I'm just not cool and hip anymore. You know? It's not cool. I heard you are a huge naff of the the guy in our weekly turtle tab segments. You you would be correct. I am a huge naff of him. <laughs> and this this weekly turtle tab really really gets me excited. He didn't make the postseason roster. He didn't? What did he do no. wrong? What did Willens Ostadio do wrong? He, he, I don't know what he did wrong. Apparently, he wasn't good enough. So he was good enough to play for the Twins this year, but not when it matters most. So a sad day, I guess, for the La Tortuga fans out there, but a happy day for this NAF fan over here. Uh, <laughs> NAF fan. He did not. <laughs> Naff is he just did. fan backwards, Kyle. For we this can't be naff, a naff fan. For this naff over here, he did not make the postseason roster for the Twins. Uh, they're 
their young third baseman, I believe Luis Arise, I think is his name. He made the postseason roster as well as somebody else uh, I actually heard, hadn't heard of before. So there it is. Very good. I'm going to let you keep rolling with Mike's segments, I guess. I think we have a Mike Stupid Rule segments featuring special guest for the one segment, Kyle Mersh, which is you. So I uh, like stealing and stuff. If you want to go ahead and talk about some stupid rules, by all means. I'll do that. So today, uh, that is Monday, October 7th, for all of our listeners out there, since you will not be listening to it today. Uh, in, the, in Game 3 of the Astros versus the Rays, uh, there is a play that I was baffled by uh, and had to listen to the commentators explain it to me. So when a batter swings at a ball and, mi- and it misses it and the ball then hits him, that batter doesn't get awarded first base. It's not a hit by a pitch. He already swung at it, so it now is a dead ball. It's called a strike. Uh, but in this case, there was a runner who had advanced on the play thinking that it had been a swing and miss and then a pass ball by the catcher. So in this uh, in this event, since there is a dead ball, the runners are not allowed to advance. Uh, the runner had to go back. Sucked for Michael Brantley. He swung over a horrible uh, pitch that hit him in the back heel. I'd say it's a pretty good pitch. Well, it was a good pitch, but it's it was dirty. a horrible time to swing at one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. There's your there's your stupid rules segment for this short, episode. sweet. And Short and sweet, just how we like it. That's how, that is how we like it. It's kind of a cool rule too, because it like at face value, it doesn't seem like that's the right call to make. But if you really think about it, I think that's how it should be. Because initially, you want to say, well, it was a swing and a miss. That should just be a strike. It shouldn't matter if it hits hits the batter. Yeah. But if you think about it more, of if the batter's swinging at the pitch and they're not making an attempt to get out of the way of the ball, mm-hmm. and it still hits them, then it still counts as a hit by pitch but he shouldn't be awarded first base just like it normally would be if you know you stuck yourself out in front of the plate yeah and then of course it's a dead ball which means that the runners can't advance from that point so initially it feels like it should be just a normal strike but if you break it down it does does have a little more substance and it was i mean it was a pretty big moment in the game too because there would have been a runner on third base with nobody out uh and the astros had a chance to get within one run in that game uh so but instead Jose Altuve was stranded at second base for that entire inning, so it was a big inning for the Rays in that case. They could have had a steal to home or something if could have if that rule wasn't in place. That would be right. awesome to see. I haven't seen a successful steal to home in a long time. I haven't either. But I know uh, Wilson Contreras had uh, he almost stole home what last year in the postseason somewhere. I had to I had to write that down on it. I think. Yeah, that Wilson Contreras would win win a game or something, and he almost did. Um, I don't remember that. But it, the game like went to like the fifteenth inning. I don't remember who we were playing. Classic Cubs for taking games super late. <laughs> it's what we do. We don't do a whole lot sometimes, but sometimes we do, and it lasts a long time. Well, at least you broke the curse, so that's gonna last for a long time. Yeah, we still have another hundred and four years. Hundred eight. Uh, but yeah, Perfect. 104 more years. Perfect. Now all the Cubs fans will be whining about that for another 104 years. That's fine. You know who's not going to be whining? Josh. Josh, because he yes. got a whale of a prediction right. Oh my goodness. Do you want to go ahead and go through our accountability this was session? Happen? No Which, way. Well, I mean, we must have said there was a chance. We didn't give him a home run. 
So in I this mean, account, I kind of talked it down to a triple. Josh got a triple for saying that the Cyclones will double up TCU. And this ding, happened ding, by ding. one point. Ding, 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 ding. Like, holy crap. I was amazed. I was sitting there 49 watching the to, game. 49 to 24. Yeah. I was like, no way it's going to happen. And we scored that that last on that last possession. And I was like, oh, my I goodness remember, gracious. I remembered about his prediction. And when we got the ball back there, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I was talking about on the field. Right. <laughs> Well, like Marissa was down in the field. She yeah. was on the game day staff. She was talking to Carrick. And I was like, dude, I, I know somebody who, who predicted this. Like, hold the crap. So I was I was thoroughly impressed that Josh got that right. Just because you don't see teams doubling up each other in the Big 12. Unless no, it's Kansas. Especially since they all throw the ball a lot. And but. TCU has, well, they had a good defense. Not this weekend. No, not at all. But anyway, Josh got that right. Does he have anything else on the board? He does have something else on the board, and this one can actually come off the board. We missed this one last week. Uh, So he had a prediction uh, after week two of the season that the Packers would win their next four games. Uh, In their, I believe, their second game, uh, or in the second week of that prediction, week four, the Packers ended up losing to the Eagles on Thursday night football. So for that, Josh gets a nah. And with the final prediction coming off the board, uh, Mike predicted that the Twins will break the consecutive playoff losing streak. And this did happen. So for that, Mike gets a ding, 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 ding. ding. They now have the longest active – uh, playoff losing streak, which still can continue uh, and might continue. But probably so, won't continue. Hopefully not. I hope the Twins <laughs> beat the Yankees. But right now they have they have 15 consecutive playoff losses. That is two more than the Boston Red Sox had uh, in the 1990s, I believe, that ended. So Good for them. You want to go and start us out by putting some more stuff up on the board? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll put this one out there. I feel like it's a little outlandish, uh, but the Cyclones will average seven-plus yards of offense per play this season. For all of our listeners out there, they are currently averaging 7.1 yards uh, per play so far through week five. So you say that's kind of outlandish, but I don't think it's that outlandish. I, yeah. I really don't. I mean, 7.1 already? Look at... Look at the direction that the offense has been growing throughout the first couple games of the season. I think it's just going to continue to go up. It might we didn't, stagnate. We didn't have that, a high yard per play average against you and I. No, no, that was a very conservative game. And looking at that and the way the offense has been playing, especially especially against TCU, but also you know Louisiana Monroe, um, even Iowa, they had a pretty good pretty good offensive but, strategy but here's here's the, here's re- the reason why i thought it was a little bit more outlandish all of our yard like our big yards per play games happened in two plays against louisiana monroe yeah the big pass to or two big passes to Tariq milton so if you take those out i mean we still had some pretty big passes against tcu yeah. but i don't think we'd have seven yards per play Ah. Uh... I mean, I'm on the fence between a double and a triple. To be honest, I was leaning really heavily towards a double, but I'm still leaning towards a double. All right. And 
I don't think you can sway me to a triple. All right. If you're not going to give me a triple for that, I guess I have to concede since nobody else is here to. Yeah. I mean, to <laughs> I, I just, I don't think it's that outlandish. I really don't. Um, do you want to go ahead and give us, I think we have a prediction for Mike too. We have mistaken. a prediction for Mike and Josh. Do so you if you want to go and read up? off Mike's, if you want to do Mike's, okay. I'll do mine and Josh's. All right. So Mike, who is at the game tonight, is predicting that the Twins will hit at least three home runs versus the Yankees. The Yankees are throwing out Luis Severino to start this game. Yeah. I mean, it's not a single. It's not a single. It's not a triple. It's not a triple because the Twins had the most home runs in the league this year. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's a double. Double. Is I what guess we're on. <laughs> it'd be I a suppose. single if I, it was. I'd go single if it was two home runs. I that's think that's fair. very very likely. So it's a double. I, I don't think three. Yeah, I I can comfortably in my head I can say comfortably. If he said four, if he said four, that's, that's more in triple territory. That's triple inch. Yeah. All right. So double for Mike. Double, double. for you. Double for Mike. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of your Cyclones offense uh, prediction there and say that Brock Purdy is going to end the season with the most rushing yards out of any Big 12 quarterback. This I gave you a triple, and here's why. Brock Purdy only has 203 rushing yards this season. And I mean, I say only. That's a lot. That's great for a quarterback. But you know what other quarterback is in our league? Jalen Hurts for the Oklahoma Sooners. And right now he has 499 yards rushing on the ground this season. That's a if you're if you have quick math skills to all of our listeners out there, that's 296 more yards that Brock Purdy needs to somehow close the gap on in what? We've played five games in seven games. I mean, he's I don't know. The, the only reason why I don't think it's that that big is because with a quarterback rushing almost 500 yards this early in the season, th- there's bound to be an injury on the line. Yeah. I mean, except for the fact that when he's run, he hasn't been I, touched yet. I know, but that that that's my only, my only argument. But I'm I do think a triple is a fair score. Yeah. Like you said, if that's you said a, that's a huge leading rusher gap. in the in the nation out of quarterbacks. That'd be a oh, home that run. that's an easy home run. Oh yeah, no way I'm doing that. I got to get some points on the board, man. That's All like right. a grand slam. So I'll take a I'll take a triple. Josh does also have a prediction in this week, and he's going to say that the Packers' defense will create three turnovers, either interception or fumbles, versus the Lions next week. Mm-hmm. I said a, double. Yeah, again, process of elimination. It's not it's not a single because you, you're three saying, turnovers is a lot to create as a defense. It is. I mean, they are playing the Lions, which I wouldn't be surprised if they lose the ball and if they're well, the playing Lions, the a Lions better had defense. four fumbles against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs defense is bad. Exactly. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is that the Lions are gonna lose the ball, definitely. But I'm just not convinced that the Packers are a good enough defense to actually recover. And hold on to the ball long enough to get that get that turnover. But I also don't think it's a triple. It's not that that far out there, really. Yeah. So I agree. I'd be okay with a double. I agree. All right, so we're in agreement. We're gonna do a double, double, triple, double. Sounds like a like some sort of new Taco Bell Crunchwrap thing. Or double, it double, sounds double, like some sort thing. of some sort of like eating challenge at a burger joint. Yeah, can I get the double, double, triple, double, please? Uh, yeah, coming right out. 
not a sponsor of any burger place, Taco Bell, or Hy-Vee, because they've all been mentioned in this episode. Speaking but if anyone episode, would like to sponsor oh, us... Yeah, hit us up. Please reach uh, out. DM us on Twitter, Instagram, at 8311cast, or drop us a line on our website, 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. Feel free, just swing by, say hey. You know, complain about something, because there's a lot to complain about in the world. Speaking of which, we are at the end of this episode, which is something to complain about, because <laughs> I enjoy doing this podcast. So, episode 50, that was it, the big 5-0. It's all uphill from here. Because this is you good. You can't go downhill from you here. Can't, you can't go downhill from here because this is not a human. This is a podcast. And it ages like a fine wine. Gets better with age. So, again, this is the end of the episode in case you haven't figured that out yet. It's a bit earlier than normal. I think we're running at about 30 or 40 minutes maybe. Probably about 40 minutes or so. So, you know, we're a little, we're a little ahead of that's schedule. That's called efficiency. As we age, efficiency. we get more efficient. Also, we don't have Mike today, and he usually interrupts you making fun of you for something. I, I just didn't do that. So he, Whenever Mike is on this podcast, he automatically adds another 15 minutes. I mean, yeah, pretty much. That's just That's okay. We can't bash him too much because he's not here to defend himself, but he can take a little bit of crap. Uh, speaking of Mike not being here, signing off for the 83 cast on episode 50, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh and Wyatt Teeter. Thanks again for listening and sticking around this this far into the episode. We will talk to you next week on the other side of the Big 5-0. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.